Welcome to Only Real Fans. I'm your host, Brian Riley, along with Dylan Bentlage, and today, this episode's going to be a little different than usual. Instead of discussing movies that we watched over the past month with some friends of ours, we're going to be discussing music. Music and movies. Just music in general. We'll be joined by Tom Richards, who is part of the UK rock band Soft Girls and Boys Club, whose music you can find on Spotify and Apple Music. Tom also composes the music that you hear in every episode of Only Real Fans, as well as our good friends and composers Jasper Van Dyke and Kyle Franklin, who have composed the score for Dilettantes, the upcoming short Drama Mama, and many more Karen Twins productions to come. You can find Jasper and Kyle's music on Jasper's website, jaspervandyke.com, as well as on bleedingfingersmusic.com. Stick around, it's going to be a fun time. It's really interesting because all of us here do come from music backgrounds in some sense or another, right? So obviously we don't have to reintroduce the three of you, but I started out in high school uh, just in bands all the time and I went to university to study music and film because that was just something I wanted to do. I dropped out of the music because I just wasn't that good. And Brian used to be a rapper and Brian worked, what record company did you work at bro or internet? Oh, I I was a social media intern for Wu-Tang Management. Nice. Which is so sick. Oh, wow. Yeah. I found out like a month later that my boss, who I've been reporting to the whole time, is a rapper in under the Wu family. I was like, ah, I wish I knew that. That's really cool. It seems like, uh, yeah, I mean, so we all have a little bit of music stuff in us, but I guess like the four of us, like uh, Brian, Kyle, and Jasper and me are much more in the film component of that. And I guess for you, Tom, is that something that you thought a lot about with your music in terms of any sort of like filming component, like music videos or just in general with movies? Uh, or is it- I'd say for the soft boy stuff, it's probably solely like music based as far as like influences and, um, and like the writing process. But uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of like movies and film, like in the blend, the combination of the two together is like really something that like when done well, just takes a movie to like a whole nother place. Like some of my favorite sort of films have like you know sound sort of curated soundtracks a lot of the time um but also like there's some films that get kind of more orchestral pieces that i just like absolutely love like there was a i don't know if anyone's seen that midsummer or midsummer the new ariasta film but the score for that by bobby krillick was just like inc- i thought it was incredible and i've like i've been i was listening to that for quite a bit like a few months back some of the pieces on that um but yeah, yeah, it's not not necessarily for like writing, yeah, for the soft boys, but I think in general it's it's definitely has an influence somewhere. Are there some of your favorite then scores or soundtracks from movies usually like band-based or orchestral based? Uh it can vary. I think one of my favorite soundtracks, uh I don't know if it's like a, a sort of go-to a lot of the ways, but um is the Eternal Sunshine soundtrack for John Bryan. Um, and it's a sort of mix of John Bryan's stuff as well as, you know, that, that Beck cover, which is incredible. Um, and that, there are like lots of like, you know, minute long sort of interlude kind of tracks and, and the theme of that particularly as well. I, I just, I absolutely love that piece of music. Um, and yeah, it can, it can vary really. But again, like, you know, films like Lost in Translation, where it's basically all like 
sort of curated and you've got, you know, sort of heavy stuff from like Kevin Shields and, and artists like that and like Phoenix and bands like that, when it's just compiled in this almost like playlist almost, it, it flows so nicely. Um, so it can, yeah, it varies between the two really of like original and curated. I feel like Tarantino is also a master at that, you know, like curating yeah. <clears throat> soundtracks. He does it so, he does it so aesthetically, like it just fits so well with the visuals every time yeah absolutely i was thinking about recently once upon a time in hollywood because i watched it again and what i love about that movie is it's almost a schooling in uh diegetic sound like the whole movie is diegetic uh music like people listening to music in cars people listening to music in like the theaters and so you're invited to step into the character's viewpoint because you're listening to the same thing. And I don't think I've seen a lot of movies that whole soundtrack is almost like that. Apart from a few pieces, that whole movie is just Brad Pitt in a car listening to KHJ. And it's just like the same stuff, which I thought is really cool. That is so cool. And I, and, and to be honest, I didn't really pick up on that. And the fact that he can do it so like seamlessly is like, so impressive you know and it's it's partially because he has a sound and the sound you know we're all familiar with so we don't really question it at a certain point but like it's yeah like he he's he's phenomenal uh another one that came to mind was another one that came to mind and, and i'm sure you guys like this is you know guy Ritchie, but drive or a uh, baby driver that oh that's so uh, that's unreal. that's but the music editing you mean edgar wright yeah jesus man Everything that that guy does too. I think they're good friends. Him and Tarantino. They're probably laughing about how much money they have to spend. Oh, on that wasn't Gary Ritchie, right? No, no, Edgar that's, Wright. Oh, that's Edgar oh, yeah. Wright. That's Edgar Wright. Woof, dude. Oh man, Woof. Bigness. That's right. That's recorded. <laughs> did it start? <laughs> yeah, did it start for you? Um, you guys, uh, Jasper and Kyle, also like more in the composer direction or bands. Kyle, I honestly, like I was trying to say before we started the podcast, we've worked together for like five years and I think we've talked twice. So let me hear yeah, it, bro. Man behind once, the scenes. I think once in person. <laughs> One time in person, everything and else I, has and been And that virtual. was really on on the backdrop of, um, was it Mar- Mario Kart? Was that the oh, N64 game that was- Oh, Boston, right? Oh, yeah. We were, playing, we were playing Don't Drink and Drive, playing Mario Kart. Uh, yeah, Kart oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> I totally forgot. You just reminded me. Yeah, no, that was, those were fun times. Um, yeah, for me, it started a bit of both. My first foray into my own musicianship was through the guitar, which lends itself much more, obviously, to, to bands and songs like that, as opposed to being an easily directly translatable instrument into the film music world. But before I actually started playing guitar, my earliest memories of sort of music really being resonant in my life and and me picking up on it were actually in childhood with movies. Like there were some films that I would literally put, you know, the classic like DVD montage that they sort of play on the sort of play menu where you got the play scene selection, all that stuff. There were some films that I would just put on as a kid and just let them let them go because I loved the background music that was from the score that they had 
superimposed over that scene, and I and I would you just couldn't afford you couldn't afford the the CD of the like the score. So yeah, or didn't know what it was, didn't know that exist. You know, I'm like seven years old. I'm just like I like this sound. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna roll with this. Um, but yeah, one of rated the, the bargain so bin at Walmart for some great DVD menus. <laughs> literally, literally. And you must I mean, have hated. That's where you'd find this movie that that I'm talking about too is probably in a bargain bin because it it's like a silly film, but I loved it. And the and the score that Klaus Bedelt wrote for it was like really really resonant with me. And um, the film is the the Time Machine with I think it's Guy Pierce if I'm getting his name yeah. Guy Pierce. Um, and I don't and Jeremy Irons is also in that. Is film. Jennifer Connelly in that movie too? I have no idea. No. I don't think so. Do you guys know that? You guys know that Guy Pierce goes to my gym. Oh yeah, I can't right. di- I can't divulge my location now. But yes, Guy Pierce goes to my gym. I was on the rowing machine a month ago, and I looked to my left. I'm like, holy fuck, that's Guy Pierce, and I had to just <laughs> act cool on this fucking rowing machine. That, that's yeah. hardcore parkour. You, if you ever talk to him, you can say, hey, just so you know, I know a guy whose life was forever redirected by one of your films uh, that you might not even remember being in. Yeah, just approach him. Love, <laughs> love your work in Time Machine, bro. Your DVD <laughs> love changed your work. a boy's life. I yeah, yeah quite, quite literally in a, in a rather profound way. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was one of them. I mean, another one, just like I love the cheesy stuff as a kid, you know, Mission Impossible 2, if anybody's seen, seen the John Woo one, um, like the scene, and that was Hans Zimmer, I believe, um, the scene where he like blows up that door and just does the badass walk across it with the white dove that sort of flies through the flames. Like there was just this epic guitar riff that played during that, and me as a little kid, I was like, "That's it. This is awesome." <laughs> My That's life so has been. I want determined. more. More of this, please. You must have hated. You must have hated the DVD menus that would just start playing after like too much idling. Like you know, I always remember when I was a kid, The Departed. If you had were on the DVD menu of The Departed oh. for too long, it would just, it would just play again. Play. <laughs> And I knew that I knew that because my ex girlfriend hated that movie, and I was like, "Why do you hate that movie?" She's like, "Because when I was like twelve, I was at a sleepover, which twelve's a bit young for that movie." She she was laying in bed, and they they all watched The Departed, but she couldn't sleep, so she effectively watched it like four times in one night because it would just replay through silently, <laughs> and she couldn't find the remote. So I know that that one loops, bro. Dylan, I remember. Uh, when we were watching movies together one time at your house like years ago we like there was some problem with like the remote like your dvd remote or something i don't know either lo- no batteries or like it just straight up wasn't working you're like it's like oh well if we let it run for a while it's just gonna play the movie and i think it was one of those where it didn't do that so we were just sitting on the couch <laughs> watching it just loop and loop and loop until we decided to do something else <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Kyle wishes he was friends with us when we were like eight years old. Like, well, there was also a traumatic story that I I clearly because oh. it was traumatic I blocked from my mind until right now. But that we also had a um, a speaker system. I mean, not like a, a luxurious epic one, but like there was if you wanted to have like a good cinematic experience with movies in the sort of the upstairs entertainment room, um, there were speakers. And you guys remember the the film of the Mummy with uh, Brandon Fraser and and uh, I love the, that movie. Yeah. Oh, what's, what's, yeah. I forget the the gal's name. It's escaping me. Uh, Rachel Wise. <laughs> no. When <No. laughs> No. Rachel. Rachel yeah, Wise. Yeah, Rachel Wise. Um, she's married to Daniel Craig. The, the, the TV was off, 
but the speakers were on and as like a kid i did not understand how this worked i'm like all right the tv's off like why am i hearing sound but the the menu music for that film was quite intense because like it's the mummy you know you got these aleatoric sound effects this like intense like chanting stuff and i'm like a little kid i walk in this room and this i don't know why it was playing but it scared the crap out of me i couldn't figure out how to turn it off Jesus. Me and Brian have an embarrassing story about the mummy too. Brian, am I allowed to share it? Sure. When we were kids? Yeah, why not? Uh, it wouldn't be the first <laughs> time you did. <laughs> Dude, I used to not have a filter of what movies I was allowed to watch, right? Um, and so I'd have my friends come over and we'd watch whatever I wanted to watch, but my dad didn't really give a shit. So it was like Gladiator at six years old and Terminator and shit. And Brian and me were like little, little kids. And we I had him come over and we watched the mummy and we went upstairs to play in my room afterwards and I opened the chest with all the toys and he thought he saw one of those little beetles. Oh, uh, And immediately... <laughs> and those things messed me up. Dude. That seems terrifying. Dude, that, that's the horror movie from that movie because like seeing it crawl on that dude's oh, cheek... Oh, seeing it go like, under his skin. Oh, oh yeah. That was like not cool. Dude, oh, and he like he, runs into that wall and like... Yeah, yeah and it elevated my fear of like big bugs. Bugs? Bro, Brian had, Brian had to call his mom to come pick him up and I was so upset. I was like... I was angry at him. I couldn't find the words to call him, like, but I, I know the words now. I will never call them to you. But when I was eight years old, I just didn't have the vocabulary. Yes, well, <laughs> I wanted to call you. <laughs> Lucky for you, um, Brian. You dodged a bullet there. Did eight-year-old Dylan just lim- limited vernacular? Uh, <laughs> Might have spared I'm, I'm the cu- friendship. <laughs> yep. I'm cur- I'm curious though, man. So Tom, if music for you, because it wasn't the same then, because it wasn't based off films, right? I think I think like a lot of like what well, getting into music initially. I'd always like been a, had an attachment. I think with like uh, music in films. I remember like watching Castaway as a really young kid, and that score like having a real effect on me. When he's like that twin with Tom Hanks on a life raft in the middle of the ocean, still to this day just makes me bore my fucking eyes out. So like like those string sections and stuff is 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 such a it's such a incredible soundtrack to give that film. But yeah, I think. Um, sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to ask, I was, no, it's fine. I was going to ask though, is there then, like, you probably chose you wanted to do music from, like, an album that you loved, I'm assuming. Actually, I heard it in the other podcast, but is there also, like, a movie where, like, specifically about musicians that also kind of blew you away? Because I have, there's so, we, we can also talk about that, movies that we know that are about musicians that just, like, are so good that make me want to be back in a band, you know? Yeah, I remember watching uh, Frank, uh, a few years back when that first came out if you've seen that that's a uh, great movie yeah and that film like it's, it's quite weird because I always I sometimes have a problem with like films when it's like they've got music involved but it's like clearly not very you know it's not mined very well or something like that but that film for some reason just seemed like so like it's so well edited and like well put together as like this weird sort of and it's just a bizarre film it's really uh, but there's a, a kind of like true story behind it who was this guy from from England who was like an entertainer so it's like take that idea and like, like some massive head and stuff and make it into a film I thought that was yeah no it wasn't it was a film that I was just like not what I expected at all and I, I still like it's, I think it's great that, no that's a really they got away with making Michael Fassbender seem like a good singer because he could have yeah. just not been singing and that yeah it's, it head. was just weird I was like what what is this it's bizarre but I, I do like bizarre stuff and it, like to do a film with this really kind of abstract band just like exploding synths on <laughs> did, um, um, did uh, Jasper did you see that one yeah no. I remember I- 
You know, it's, uh, my memory is shit, but I remember uh, walking- It's with Jennifer Connelly. I remember- <laughs> She's I remember, Yeah, literally, she's definitely in that. Um, <laughs> I remember walking away from that movie, like, so confused. Like, what did I just watch? And did it, like, did it even climax? Like, where where was the arc? You Not know? really. It takes a weird turn when they get to, like, the KXP part. Oh, no, KXP. The, sorry, the, um, what's the festival- um, that they do South by Southwest and they go and do that and then it just goes really bizarre because he goes out on stage and has that like freak oh, out and yeah. it kind of it's sort of it goes a bit to a weird place there but that movie it's, is it's an interesting one that movie is referenced in Dilettantes in, the, in a bathroom scene and Brian after we made that movie made a list of all the references from Dilettantes and went out and watched all of them I haven't even seen wait all that's the so cool Dilettantes. yeah I want this list yeah. wait I want this list too that's so funny yeah, I got the list right here actually wait what are some that's so what funny are some not to go on a tangent alright so I have this movie app and I just made a list called Dilettantes Lore it's 10 movies uh, let's see the 400 blows the opening credits from that movie influenced the opening credits that we sequence we have and then blood simple is referenced burn after reading calvary catch me if you can drinking buddies is like the the movie that influenced dylan's decision to kind of you know the vibe for the dilettantes I'm looking I, for the, for anybody who's listening. I'm looking off in the distance as if like a picture. Mm. Of an artist. <laughs> then we got, uh, we got Fargo, Frank, The Guard, and In Bruges. That is Ooh, it. Those are all the references, In man. That's In Bruges. That's, that's my classic. favorite one, man. That one. That one has a score in it. If we're gonna like go back to mu- music a little bit, that has a score in it that is so good that whenever I listen to it I immediately think it's from something else because it just sounds so so much like it should have been made for it like it should have already existed it's so good like just really kind of weirdly dark and eerie and yet funny as well it's yeah that's one of my favorite films for sure me too um Carter Burwell the music to that I just have to quickly look it up but like I'm that little piano theme he's got going on throughout that film is hauntingly beautiful and, it, and, and like, wait, do you do spoilers on this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Oh, I didn't record that in the hook. Spoilers for sure. Spoiler, spoiler alert. Um, just like, wait, have you seen this movie? No. Oh, shit. That's okay. You can spoil it. Unless it's like your headphones off. I'm enjoying listening to everybody talk about it. Well, yeah. Just like, you it's know. It's got a great DVD menu, too. You would love it. I probably would. I guess I won't spoil it. It's just the the theme, the theme because it doesn't matter. Like, the theme is just like very... It 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 really sort of cap encaptures what like where they are throughout the entire film. You know, like the sort of reveal at the end that they're in this like uh, middle place between death and uh, what what's that called? Purgatory. Purgatory. Aren't you aren't you religious? It's purgatory, bro. <laughs> Dude, I am not Catholic. You read um, a blank Bible kid. <laughs> Uh, you're you're more religious Bible. than me. Yeah, I was just yeah. I guess it's because I've watched movies like In Bruges and Calvary. That's why. Um, no, yeah, that movie is if Kyle, if you have not seen that film, that is that's a really big one. Actually, everyone in this room is connected now more so because of that movie. Yeah, no, so I've got to get I on. Hope you it. feel like you're Clearly, out. Clearly, I'm missing out on something. Yeah, I'll buy you the DVD for Christmas. <laughs> Thank you, Dylan. I appreciate that. Uh, Brian, what about, what about, because I know that for you, 
like the rest of us coming more from, I guess for Kyle and Jasper, composing and um, for Tom and me more like in band structure. But you're really, I know you're really, really into rap. Like rap is like your number one genre, I would say, right? Yep. Is there certain films, and I'm not just thinking like straight out of Compton, although that is a great movie, but there's certain films with more of a hip hop type score to it that you like stand out to your head, something you recommend or something that's like probably not as used as much, right? It's like traditional score. Yeah. Uh, well, I've recommended this to you before, Dylan, but Hustle and Flow is a movie that I, I love and the soundtrack to that is so cool because it's kind of like, because the whole thing is about this pimp who in Atlanta who tries to make it as a rapper. So a lot of the sound, like a lot of the songs are his own songs that he tries to make and you get walked through the process of how he makes it while, um, while just in a home, like in this guy's house, just recording it. And like, I, when I first watched that, it like, there's this one scene in particular where him and one of his uh, ladies of the night sings the hook. And actually the song's a Grammy, I uh, know, an Oscar award winning. It's the first hip hop song to win an Oscar. Um, by Three Six Mafia, hard out here for a pimp. That's his uh, debut single in that in the movie. But like you see how it gets put together, and like when they first play it, and like the like the sound is so crisp, and you hear and you see the uh, the woman hearing herself for the first time, like singing, and she's like crying because she's like, I can't believe that's me, and I should have tear watching. It's like it's beautiful. It's amazing, and it's just like it's a really good movie just front to back but like hustle score on that you said it was called? hustle and flow with terrace howard oh love him it's amazing how when a, a music film like that is done well like you know as you're saying tom like frank or this one hustle and flow it's so impactful and there was a lot of those movies last year um you know but some of them i personally also didn't think they did it as well like like looking back on like bohemian rhapsody for example i think that the the performances were unbelievable and that's why it was really good but the way that they present the music being kind of made it doesn't really work for me specifically when they come up with we will rock you and it's just like hold on guys get together do this with your hands do this with your legs like it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel natural and it's but when it's done right it's just so amazing it gives you goosebumps in the theater like kind of that again that diegetic type of sound like your your characters are hearing it and your audience is hearing it all together yeah well it's also like you know for a movie like that like a biopic like that the way that they show how we will rock you came to be that's more of like something i want to see in a documentary and it's not as natural seeing it acted out like that but on, conversely, though, with Straight Outta Compton, when you first see Eazy get into like the rapping persona and charisma when he's doing Boys in the Hood for the first time, like the number of takes they do, and then once he nails it, you like you feel like holy shit, he nailed it. This is sick. You know, it's a bummer about uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, and I guess it's not in the timeline of the movie, but that they didn't get like the show must go on, like that because I heard there's so much. With that music. That's the number one thing that you don't like, that they missed one Queen song. No, because... That's it. Because, no, because, listen, there's actually a story behind <laughs> that song and, like, how it it was, like, his last take. And that's, like, where he hits that final last note and he, like, kills it. And that would have been such a cool movie moment to have. Like, it didn't fit in the timeline, which is why they didn't have it. And it is what it is. It's a great movie. But, like, he's on the, like... He's about to... He's, like, months from dying and, like, 
has no energy left and just kills it. And the song is so powerful. Like could easily see that in, in a film. They, I think they think they spend a lot of time in that movie in the glamorization of the band. You know, there's, I don't know if it's common knowledge, but there for years, I think Sasha Baron Cohen was trying to get a bio a biopic of Freddie Mercury done. But yeah, I heard band, that. yeah, you heard that too. Right. Mm. And the band didn't want it because he wanted to do a bit more gritty in the real life story of Mercury. And they wanted it to be like a Disney film. Um, I think alternatively something that didn't necessarily fall through the cracks, but was just a better version of what Bohemian Rhapsody was trying was Rocket Man. Oh yeah. From uh, last year. Did everyone here see Rocket Man? I love that movie. Oh man. Mm. Yeah. It's just such a like that that's a movie where it's like, I mean, Mel and John helped make it. And also um Tagren Egerton was so good in it as Elton John. But it's also one of those where it's like you're watching it and it feels like you're watching like an Elton John movie. Like Bohemian Rhapsody felt like I was just I was just watching like kind of like the history of Queen. Like that encapsulated Elton John. And that's what I really liked it about it. It did feel quite rushed in parts as well. Yeah. You know, when it's sort of like, I, I understand it's got, you know, span a large part of their career, but it, some of the sort of cut scenes where it's like them going on tour and it's just like, you know, shots of different shows with like a song playing over the top. And I was like, oh, well, it's just kind of a bit more, you know, a bit more live performance in it essentially. But well, how they, what what's the scene in, I don't want to misquote it because what I have in my head might be ridiculous if I, it's not. Um, yeah, you got to be careful. <laughs> don't pull a Jasper. I, I, no, like, okay. How did they show the band discovering another one uh, bites the dust? Like, what was the, the trajectory of them doing that? Because I know for like, we will rock you. We will rock you. They were just in the studio and the, the guitar player whose name is escaping me now is just like Brian May. Brian May, he's like, clap your hands, stomp your feet. And I'm like, this is no way how that actually went down. Like in a single day, they got We Will Rock You. And then you you compare that to the my favorite scene in Rocket Man, which is when he is singing Goodbye Yellow Brick Road at the party. Because what that shows to me is that the inception of that song took place on that night. It's not actually when he wrote it, though. You know, so that's, I thought, so beautifully weaved. And I think they could have done more of that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, We Will Rock You, though, is kind of an exception because that song is so simple like I, you can write that in a day and it's very easy to right that's the whole point <laughs> of the song too a simple song that everyone can get involved everyone can sing along to yeah all right fine never mind then yes that's how they came up with it brian may just said clap your hands stop wait but really quick i oh. i wanted to go back because uh you mentioned like hip-hop and score and Ludwig Gornson is the person I go to for this kind of like oh this yeah. topic is he, uh, he's awesome he has like perfectly bridged those two genres like traditional film music uh Ludwig Gornson uh traditional film music and, and like hip-hop and it's it's so cool he's done it so well uh Creed has I haven't seen the movie but the music of Creed is he, incredible he's done the Mandalorian hasn't he as yeah, well yep. he's been he did a he Black Panther score, which is incredible one, Black Panther, one for yeah. Black Panther best score did he do Tenet as well he did yeah oh he did do dude Tenet had a crazy he also cool did score. music for Community I mean him and Charles Gambino really? go way back oh that's right so such a good show he produced like all of the Charles Gambino tracks like in the beginning actually I think he still does it was a really cool yeah, there's a really cool breakdown of him doing Redbone, I think, in the studio and like kind of dissecting it, which is a uh, super cool. You like forget how like layered that song is. There's so much going yeah. on. Speaking of ta- speaking of talented people that just bother me, Childish Gambino, man, bothers me so much. 
he doesn't bother me because I don't like him and I, I think he's amazing at what he does. He bothers me on the basis of like, okay, he's 25, 25, 24 or something and he sends in writing samples to 30 Rock and they're like, whoa, this dude's the shit. Let's get him on the writer's team. At 24, like think of that in comparison to our ages. And then after two or three years, he's like, yeah, I'm done with that. I'm going to go act on a really successful TV show. And he does it and succeeds. And then after that, he's like, yeah, fuck it. I'm done with that. I'm going to be a rapper. And he fucking does it. And he keeps going. What an asshole. I can't stand it. <laughs> now he's making his own TV oh. show. Jeez. Yeah. He's made his own TV show. He's Lando Calrissian. I mean, the guy is just killing He's a renaissance, man. Yeah, he is really a renaissance man of the entertainment world. But who is this guy? Ludwig uh, Gorenson? Yeah. Uh, I think Norwegian or Swedish or something. I'm pretty sure like Hans Zimmer recommended him for films and stuff. Like that's how sort of highly praised he is. I think in yeah in that industry. I think that's I think that's how he got Tenet was because Hans had a scheduling conflict, right? So he he was like, "Yo, Nolan, this guy." You know, I thought Hans Zimmer did Tenet, but it's not. It's this guy. Honestly, yeah. No, I mean, I think Ludwig is I, that score was so good. You get, he, there's a few interviews he has where he kind of goes into the making of it. And you would never expect some of the sounds he made to come from where they did. Like, you know, modulars and layer it with a reverse guitar and like, then put a shit ton of reverb on it and then reverse it again. And then like, I don't know, he just- his, Well, isn't that the idea the movie is supposed to be reversed? I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the cool, that honestly though, to just sort of like bring it generally out is, that's the cool thing about composing and scoring for films, you can get super meta about it. Yeah, and like yeah, for sure, and and it creates this new layer of meaning to the score that is not really always recognizable by ear when listening to it for the first time, but it's what makes it better. You know, there's it gives it it gives it a layer of integrity that because yeah. there the thought really comes through when you think of a character, what instrument should be used for this character. Or a theme how should we present this theme or an orchestration like what is the arrangement because the the music has to i remember him sheldon was really big on this at, oh, at berkeley yeah. um, but he was really big on like you know in film everything comes from somewhere like the set you pick the actors you pick the words you write or are they they're improvised like the set is designed you know it's a very very contrived thing not very many films are just like point a camera at something and then edit it together and see what you come up with you know most things are pretty are pretty structured it's the same with with the film music it's like if there is a trumpet playing there's a reason that the trumpet's playing if there's like some type of notes being arranged that there was a decision that could have been made for that and i think the best art is where people really take those decisions seriously like now why is it this way like yeah. How would we come up with something? You have to come up with something. So like you could just come up with something or that's fine. There it is. If it sounds good, it works. Or you could actually start to think about the film, think about the subtext, think about the larger themes, think about the color palette even, and use all of those to inform your decisions on the musical aspect. And then you start to get something that's pretty special and that is wholly unique to the film beneath the surface of the notes because there's integrity 
and intention behind the decisions that were made, even when they're because Jasper and I have even made some of those decisions. I can't remember any off the top of my head, but where something was, you know, cheeky and simple and probably something that no one else would have ever heard unless we told them. But for the problem that we were trying to solve in the film, we use something from the film to help solve that problem instead of just going into our music brains and being like, what would sound good here? Mm-hmm. And it does yeah. make for a, it makes for a more interesting for me creative process because like that's what I'm trying to create for is the film, not just like if I want to just write my own music, I would just write my own music. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't go through the hassle of trying to meet directors and, and create working relationships and work with deadlines. That That's all very much a bother if the only goal was to write wonderful music. I think it's time for a funny anecdote from uh, Jasper then, because a couple years ago, Jasper and me were living in uh, L.A. together, and Jasper uh, called me and said, hey, they're doing an award ceremony over at UCLA for all the young, uh, the young filmmakers. Uh, Barry Jenkins, the director of Moonlight's going to be there, and Eric Hassier, the uh, writer Wasn't of Rivals, going to be Dennis there. Dennis Villen- Villeneuve? Villen- no, Vill- Dennis Villeneuve was the guy who directed Arrival, but the writer of Arrival was there. And Jasper's like, let's go. We can network. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll go with you. So I dress up really nice because it's Shut an award up. ceremony. <laughs> I, I dress in a I dressed mouth. up in a at least a I dre- listen. I at least had shoes. I at least had shoes. Now you guys know where the story's going. And a button down shirt. And Jasper shows up in ripped jorts and fucking flip flops to this fucking thing and they had like pizza and beers after in this like like ceremony room and everyone's wearing suits and is dressed up and Jasper's walking around with these square fucking uh, business cards that he cut got made like perfectly square so they're not even going to fit in your wallet he goes pretty cool right man pretty cool and he's just handing out these square business cards to people in your jorts dude I'll never Yo, forget I that I was the most memorable person that night and yeah, that's, for your lack of trying you could, you could argue you could argue that that was a success bro you look like you cut business cards in half to save money and just printed on the same side the same shit and handed out to dude killing two birds with one stone and i'm like that's not even what that saying means, bro. i think you're i think you're like making this story this could be a great scene in a film but this is not exactly how it went. that's what i do uh, that's what because i do the, man. well I, specifically the business cards because that was um <laughs> That was really cool. You stand that by was a it. cool thing because they were they came square, which is like they 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 like came very like it was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. And I was like, wow, if anyone gave a square business card to me, I would totally remember that person. And you know, it's like first summer in LA, just trying to figure it out, man. Like make making your uh, USP just the the card. That that's it. That's your USP. That's it. That uh that reminds me of one of my friends uh, in college. I feel like he had a similar similar mindset that you did, Jasper, where we had like a career fair thing at college one time. And this kid is like super smart guy. And he comes in with like a severely wrinkled button down shirt. He's got flip flops on and like cargo khakis and untucked shirt. And my friend goes up and goes, dude, what the hell are you dressed as? And he goes, doesn't matter what I'm dressed as. They hear me talking. They're going to love me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's about the confidence, man. Like, you know, I, I I talked to some directors that night and, you know, just... Had a, had great conversations. They probably thought I was an idiot, but I don't know. 
I, I had a different perspective on that. You're not. It was it was indeed. It was fun, was dude. Was. That was. But you know what's funny is that there was definitely more nights where I dressed up like that. Like I remember going to a Netflix after party, uh, in similar clothes and seeing similar clothes. You're like, all right, here's my here's my meat director's outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Holy shit. Uh, the people I was interning with like was there and he, and he even made a comment. I think this is probably where it clicked. He was like, Jasper, what are you wearing? And like, this is probably a sign that I need to put some jeans on and buy shoes. Yeah. Maybe rip jeans instead of jorts. <laughs> yeah. Kyle, I was thinking about what you, what you said about school, your schooling, like how every, uh, everything comes from somewhere. And so in the story, in this film, right, you want to like accent every part of it, not just what sounds good. But it's kind of also why originally me and Jasper started talking about film in the first place, because I we always had this idea to combine it all into one process together, where the story is influenced as much from the music as the music is influenced from the story. And it's kind of why I wanted at some point to bring you three together as well, because Tom, I really like the music of Soft uh, Girls and Boys Club. Yeah, not repping it just for repping it. I do really enjoy <laughs> the music. It's it's usually when you're writing, so, like the songs you write, they sound like stories. And I've texted you and talked to you a little bit about some of the things that I hear in them and where do I think those influences come from. So as you guys, as three professional musicians, right, where, does, where do all those lines bleed, I guess, together? In the sense where you have a film that's a story that's influenced by score, right? And then score is related to band music because it's music, but that's also a story. So, you know, I'm just trying to see where all those pieces kind of line up, right? Could you somehow combine them to amalgamate one whole new concoction at the same time? You, you can, Dylan, because they're all the same thing, really. Jasper and I, this is so oddly timed because we were riffing on this the last time we were hanging out. But yeah. um, but my one of the theories I have is that just humans express themselves always through storytelling. When it's successful, it's always storytelling. When you see beautiful marketing or whatever, whether it's a picture or, or an advertisement, storytelling. When you have a great experience, it's because you can tell a story about it or there was a story built into it. When you make a great piece of art, it's storytelling. It doesn't matter if it's a sculpture, a song, an album, an EP, a score, a symphony, a prelude. It's all storytelling. So it's really, they can all inform one another because they're all drawing on the same piece of human expression just in a different way. Just how it gets presented is different, which is why there's so much room to translate them back and forth between mediums to to mix them to mm-hmm. maybe write you know write an introduction in music and then have the the screenwriter listen to that and then write what he heard or she heard and then also what happens next and then you have a composer read that and then write what happens next like you, you could do it in all kinds of crazy ways because at the end of the day to me it's all storytelling mm-hmm that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. I've I've approached this from a from a exclusively an audio perspective as well. Is that like you know sound? Because I'm also I also do a bit of sound design, and that obviously you're telling a story as well uh, in a more textural way, uh, and like not necessarily you know chords and, and and notes and scales and all that good stuff, but like. Um, you know, you're creating a world like around the characters, right? All the foley, the environments and all the, you know, 
Um, so when you combine that with music, when you're able to really, for instance, I'm working on a podcast. It's, it's a it's like a crime podcast and um, called Solve. And me and the sound designer are constantly going back and forth. Or me and the composer are going constantly back and forth. Like, hey, like for this scene, it'd be great if the sound design could actually kind of act as a musical foundation where I could then build on top of with sound. Uh, and and the, the two interplay really nicely. And I think that's what one, was one of the things that really attracted me first talking to you, Dylan, is because like you seem to view filmmaking that way as well. Like the, you could really combine all the different elements of it and, and make it a cohesive picture in, in ways that like aren't necessarily very like obvious at first. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a level of like, I like listening to the bands that I, uh, specific bands when writing certain things, cause it's the type of music that I think influences the story. But then, so Tom, also when you're writing songs, like you also envision the story in your head of what that song is about, you know, like almost playing out a music video in your head. Uh, it's quite fragmented, really. It often starts with, so like Ben is sort of the main lyricist. I do write bits here and there. Usually like, you know, if we need a, a verse and I've got some lyrics on my phone, it can be like, oh yeah, that works with, with this sort of thing. I, I often just will start with the music and like, like a song like 22, 22 or whatever, kind of just started demoing the whole thing instrumentally. And then Ben had some lyrics on his phone and the melodies just kind of came and it sort of, I find like the initial kind of spark of it seems to happen fairly quick. Um, but we never really know like where it's going to go sort of lyrically. The, there's kind of recurring themes I like to think in the band. Um, you know, it's quite sort of happy sounding music, but with a bit of a darker edge lyrically and maybe it's kind of masked a little bit in, you know, some metaphors and, and things like that, which is always quite, quite cool. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's like a bit of a Frankenstein process where it's just like getting all these parts together. We've had songs where like, I've had like a, in the same key as like a tune that Ben's half written and we'll like mash them together. Um, a song of ours called Treadmill and there's this kind of big like sort of ambient play out, um, which we just kind of shoved on the end of it just to make it like longer. It was a sort of three minute song and it kind of take, has like two minutes of just sort of kind of like you're saying like textures and things which are again are a big thing for for us as well I that is one of my favorite things like producing is just coming with like textures and it can be like you know loops and things like that as opposed to like writing chords for a song that's like the sort of the ground the kind of base of it but the um the sort of yeah those little elements are my favorite thing to do really I think when producing yeah well the song the song of yours that like really kind of made me like when your brother sent me a bunch of stuff, but so drawers was the one that I really enjoyed so much because it immediately, it rem, it made me think about the project that I was currently working on. Again, it, it goes back to what Kyle was saying. It's all story. And the reverse of what, like what we do as like filmmakers and composers is kind of the same where I give you lyrics, which is just an entire script or film. And then you guys just compose some awesome shit to it. I want to know if there's like, I think me and Brian would have to listen to Tom's music and write a story based off how we feel from the music and then a deeper layer is then Kyle and Jasper compose something. That's the challenge. Probably very sad. <laughs> there's, there's a challenge of three layers. Like you guys are stacked on my Zoom screen. It's like a stacked version of it until we get like a product. <laughs> that's what that's we should cool, do man. at some point. I think that creates such a cool opportunity to like come up with something you didn't, like you were saying, like you don't know where it's going to go. I think that's like the best part about music sometimes is like you kind of inspire yourself as you're working on it. 
there are some projects, I think anybody who's worked on a project, like, or any number of projects has probably had that one moment where it's like, it just takes off. And yeah. it's like, uh, all I had to do was was sit in front of, you know, you know the computer and write the words or sit behind my instrument and keep going and scra- scratch it down. It's like, because suddenly there was this moment when it, it was all there. It was just a matter of me taking the time to, to get it out as opposed to other projects where you might, you know, sit there, head in your hand, smashing your head against a keyboard, just being like, okay, what's the next note? Why is <laughs> trying to shake your head like a piggy bank just to get something to fall out? Oddly enough, there's, you know, the other thing that kind of is very similar between all of us as musicians, not even just filmmakers, YouTube, Bryce, we all come from duos, you know, in all, all sense of those words. like you find that partner that there's that unspoken relationship of just being able to like Tom, like you were saying, you start with something and it just so happens that, um, what's your, what's your partner's name? Ben or Ben. Yeah. Yeah. That he's just writing something in the same key and then you mix it together. It just works. Or like Kyle and Jasper, you got like you guys, everything you've ever done for us has been so on point that I honestly don't think one of you could do it without the other at this point. And Brian, you too, you also had, uh, when you used to rap back in your rapping days, you had, uh, you had a partner as well. Do you think that that's an integral part of what makes us, suc- like, I guess, successful, air quotes, musicians? The, open, the openness and willingness to collaborate is the key to success. I think, like, at least for me, like, that's, that's my favorite part about this, is, is what I loved about Dilettantes, and I've said it over and over again, and I'll say it again, is just the fact that we all were such a team. We were experts in our crafts to the extent that we were like we, but we were still young in our craft and we didn't have much experience. We were experts in our craft to the extent of our crew. We weren't like good outside exactly. our crew. It just exactly. happened that exactly. no one else played the piano. Big so fish in a small pond. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that, but that was so that was so unique because you know we were all encouraging of each other and. and it's a good environment to work in and you're with, when you're with people that take it seriously there's like magic there right you know not everybody needs to take it seriously and, and as the production gets bigger you know i'm sure there's going to be people that just not as in it as someone else right but when you're with dilettantes in particular all of the people that i worked with or or spoke to which was not a huge amount of people you did most of the talking on that project but of of the interactions everybody was really really trying to make something there was no just kind of like and whatever happens happens like we're kind of just seeing how it is even though those sentiments were actually there it it really was okay well whatever happens happens we're just seeing how this works but in that frame everybody was putting forward like the maximum effort yeah yeah and that matters and and you have more maximum effort when you have more people that are putting in that effort it's just kind of a fact if one person can do it by themselves bless them have fun going it solo but i like working with people yeah absolutely and uh in your last um, in your last podcast, Tom, um, which if anyone wants to hear more about your band, what was the podcast? Uh, well, I, th- I don't know how it's pronounced, but Luma L U M R podcast, uh, London Underground Music something. I don't know. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Ah, close. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> but you talk about this. You talk about this a little bit as a little bit as well, right? You you feel the same way with your partner or is it, do you guys find yourselves also able to do solo things and come back together or is it really kind of 
it it's necessary to to work together in order to accomplish it um i think from like a production standpoint i'm actually uh ben's been writing some sort of stuff for his like doom project uh like kind of doom metal he wants to do um called gorgeous tortoise uh which i think is an excellent name personally um so i'm i'm gonna be like mixing that i think for him and he sent me a i sent me a song a few weeks ago that i've been doing um so i think for like and he's just getting into recording himself because it's always been like him coming over and then you know we lived in the same building for quite a while so like he just like get a lift up a few floors come over to mine and we just record like that so that was um kind of my role but I've, I mean I've started writing stuff myself I don't know what for necessarily but I just I think we're both always writing music um as you know creatives do I guess but um I don't think it's the end of the band necessarily I think that something will happen in the future but it's like logistically I don't think we're going to be like you know facetiming and with acoustic guitars and kind of writing that way bro that's what I wanted to do for this podcast what are you guys talking about <laughs> I want to we're like old men when it comes to technology we couldn't even do like a, a session just like all of us having to film ourselves it was horrible it was really painful experience oh boy but uh but yeah, like I've I've said I wanted to go over to Copenhagen at some point next year. Maybe we'll have like, you know, a writing session and I can stay for a while. And That's the nice thing about a band too, that you guys can just, you, you're able to come together and also have your own independent work. You know, it's not, it's like coming together into one masthead and then also being able to do your own thing. That's why we did like such a big album because we knew it was sort of going to be a good while before, you know, we did anything else again. So it's just like a combination of like some of the first music we ever wrote together that we kind of like redone. And like our newest stuff, so yeah, it's like twenty five songs on the on the big chunky one all together. I'm gonna send it. I'm gonna send it to Kyle and Jasper and Brian right after this podcast. I, I actually I saved it on Spotify, so I'll be listening to that soon. Oh, nice, Brian. Brian, what about you, man? Because back your music days are far behind you now. But did far you feel behind. that necessary that necessary collaboration with your partner? What was his name? Pasty White Boy. <laughs> Pasty White Boy, and you were B Riles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, d- I did like all the beat making for us. So it was like he kind of came up with ideas for songs and then I would work like a beat and then we just had like a session together. Where I'd play some that I came up with and if it matched the vibe of or the idea of what he had, then we went from there. There was one time, there's like one time where he had like, he told me about one idea and then like, yeah, he no other structure, just like the name of the song, and then like I worked the beat together, worked the beat up, and then went to him like the next day with it, and it happened to be like a perfect match for what he had in mind. It's a great day, great day for the productivity. Those are those are, those are the best days when you when you have a partner and you just feel like you want to work extra hard and come up with something great, so that then they they're proud. You almost it's almost like a competition. Like I want to be better than my partner by just doing better work, and they're like feeling that they have to do better. It kind of should be a little bit of a friendly competition. Yeah, I think uh, I think of it as not I want to be better than, but I want to be better for. Oh, you're such a sweet guy. It, but but it, it so does lucky. help. I, I enjoy. Um, <laughs> I don't have a drive to win competitions, but I have a drive to show up in them. So competition helps me bring out my best, whether it ends up surpassing some like you know, ramping if I'm the fastest guy on the track or if I'm the strongest guy on the squat rack like that, that stuff doesn't really matter as much to me, but it's, it's the competition helps inspire my best effort. And, and likewise, you know, partnerships, 
I think what what Tom was saying is is so true, right? Like anyone who's an artist, they don't need someone else to come up with something. You can write a song by yourself. You can write a script by yourself. And if I want to say something that I just feel like saying in music, I'm not like crap. Jasper's not here. <laughs> I can I can write what I need to write, but there's something about there's other pieces of the puzzle that are not in play or other like little circuits that get turned on when there's ex- exter- external dynamics at play. And to me, that's what really makes it. And I think that competition against yourself to like really bring out the best and to have that sort of friendly, you know, hey, hey dude, get it to me by the end of the night. And I'll be like, oh, you'll have it by the end of the afternoon. You know, like just that kind of, just that kind of silliness. It, it does actually do something. Somehow it actually does something to the, to the process yeah. in a positive way. Kyle, do you know those, you know, like when you used to go visit your parents' office and they had that wall of like those inspirational photos of like an eagle flying over a mountain and it was like, never let your engines flutter. Or, like something stupid <laughs> like that. Like, like, you could, if you don't ever, like, if you want to stop doing music, you could have a career in that, my friend. I don't go to competitions to win, but I go to show up. Like, you, <laughs> you can do that, bro. That is your, that's your calling, man, right there. Guys, I think to end the last, the last thing that I want to ask is if there's a, mo- a movie recommendation about music that's underrated that people haven't seen or a project or a piece of your own that you're really proud of that you want to share. I know I'm going to share my favorite song from uh, Tall White with Ransom, which was Brian's old rap group. I saw them live one time and they were fantastic. And I'm going to share my favorite song from that old group. Maybe they can still find it on Spotify. It's not on Spotify. Oh, shit. Can you send it to me? Which one? It's the one where you sing like, doesn't matter your color, shake your ass. Oh, that's the one 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 I was talking about where it all kind of came together. Send me the link. I'm going to send it to all the guys. (laughs) That's my favorite one. It's our, our hit single. So it can be a song that we can recommend? A song you can recommend or something you're proud of that you did, like your favorite work that you did. I'm not going to say mine because it's just going to be the movie that we're always talking about. So What movie is that? It's fucking Dilettantes. Dilettantes. Everyone thinks it's named after me. They don't realize it's a word. That's they what I thought I originally. Same. <laughs> I was like, this narcissistic <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Especially when there was a bar named after you. In the <laughs> There's an actual bar named Dylan's in Boston. Yeah, been there more than a couple times. Yep. I've stumbled out of there a couple times. All right, who wants to who wants to go next? Just anything. Any movie. Well, I have two. Um, oh, there you go. That's mine. Well, you you can have your own, but I have two because they're they're awesome. Um, Please tell me one of them is Time Machine. <laughs> it's it's not because I already mentioned that if people haven't gotten the memo to go watch that one by now, then this little piece at the end is not going to get them on board. Um, but <laughs> so we have two new ones, but uh one would be the the OG animated Batman film, The Mask of the Phantasm. Best Batman story I think ever told. Are you about with music or just you're just ramping a movie? You really Both, was. but the music in it was amazing. <laughs> and it's by a woman named Shirley Walker who worked as um, an orchestrator for Danny Elfman when he was doing the Burton Batmans. Mm. And when they wanted to keep using that music and have someone that understood the music when they did the animated series and then the animated films um he was like this this one like she, she needs to do it and if i remember correctly um she was a bit trepid with doing it but her music is like fantastic 
So the score for that film is is wonderful. And then um, John Williams' score for The Book Thief, which is a lesser-known John Williams score. Everybody knows the big ones like Jurassic Park and, and you know, Jaws and Indiana Jones and all that good stuff, Star Wars. But The Book Thief was a very tender, great story and wonderful to hear how he told that story through music because it's an intense movie. It's about this little girl who's just sort of in the middle of World War II in Germany trying to make sense of all of these big, crazy adult things going on in the world, you know, with people having to go away and then sort of never coming back because they got enlisted as soldiers and, you know, young people being indoctrinated in sort of the Hitler youth stuff. And it's just this little girl kind of trying to make sense of it. And it's it's told very well through the music. Mm. Book Thief and Batman Mask of the Phantasm. When you said Book Thief, I was thinking of the Page Master. Uh, I genuinely can't think. I'm going to go with, there's a, a film called Prince Avalanche, which is Paul Rudd and Emil Hirsch. And I think that has an excellent score. And it's a, my kind of film as well. I like this sort of, um, you know, the kind of, it's like a fairly isolated film. It's just like those two characters, more or less like the whole movie. It's like about their relationship, but the score as well is, is really cool. Um, so I'd recommend that. What were you uh, um, saying? What were you saying? The one, earlier, the one I was going to say, uh, you know, I wasn't asked, you know, what, you know, what brought me to music. So I figured I'd bring this one in. Um, this, this, this show, yeah, we kind of skipped over me. It's fine. I'll say it now. Uh, but the, uh, the old Patrick Swayze show, uh, North, North and South is about the civil war is so good. And Bill Conti does the music for that. And his theme is incredible. Uh, and, and that, and I, that was the first score I, I listened to and like actively loved. Like a good score, you don't notice, right? Like you don't, you kind of maybe will hum it later, but you don't really like notice it in the film. Like, but yeah, no, his music is incredible. Why did it, why do you think it resonated with you? I don't know. Maybe it was just also around the time I really started to learn piano and like, you know, I was able to come up with my own kind of arrangements. So I was probably, I probably just had more of an ear towards those themes, you know? Because before that, my instrument was saxophone, and it's like, you know, I'm not going to play a theme on this. Like, that, that was just like never you the ghost. You can play the Pink Panther theme on the side. Yeah, the Pink Panther. <laughs> but, you know, we played that in middle school jazz. That's been there, done that. Bro, just go watch, go watch the old 21 Jump Street where jo- Johnny Depp is just playing sax out his window at night. It's fantastic. That's a great, uh, a great thing. The next score, man, all sax all day. That's what I want. <laughs> well, I can go then. I'll recommend, uh, this actually this anime film your name the whole soundtrack is composed by this uh, japanese rock band radwimps and it's very good and the film itself is very good um i would recommend yeah i'm trying to think if i was going to recommend a movie like a movie about music or just a movie that's like got a great score i think the score to mandy is fantastic and that's also johan johansson's last time um uh, scoring, so I really, really would recommend that. It's just beautifully dark, especially for you, Tom. If you like like lighter music with heavier lyrics, I, that there's something in there where like there's remnants of it in Joker because that I forget her name, uh, Hildra or something. What was the composer's name for Joker? Oh, Hildur Ger. I don't know her last name, but Hildur, the Icelandic composer. Yeah. The, yeah, so there's remnants of that from Johan Johansson, but not really the same. It's completely all dark. And in Mandy, it's this beautiful, like, Dude, love battle. Icelandic composers, man. They're killing it. I've been getting into them, like, so good. Um, Arnold Olafur. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's sick. 
He's good. Um, Isn't it Oliver Arnold's? Yeah, one of those. She's backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm horrible with memory. Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly is featured in that, I think. Yeah. You know how the Icelandic football team, like when they got together for the World Cup, all those dudes had like secondary jobs because they didn't have a professional team. Like the manager of the team was a dentist, <laughs> and like, but he like managed the team. I wonder if I wonder if Icelandic composers also like work secondary jobs. Like they like, like Icelandic composer, but he's like works at the supermarket. There's there's like a really crazy stat about like your odds of actually playing for Iceland and it's like it's I can't I don't know it but it's crazy small it's like one in 700 or something ridiculous or like probably more than that that's just a random figure but there's they have an app over there to make sure you're not dating your cousin so that, that's a crazy land it's a crazy oh place oh my god that's so funny um, but yeah that would be my recommendation then I really like that one and as far as a music movie goes um, obviously Tenacious D The Pick of Destiny a great movie yeah Come on, man! It's hilarious. I know, I know all the lyrics to those songs, dude. Master, oh, Jimmy, yeah, yeah. Tuesday. That was uh, me and my friend man. singing that in like science when I was in like year eleven, like fifteen years old, at the back singing Master Exploder. It's a great one, man. Um, yo, guys, thanks so much for joining me and Brian. Yeah, talking about music and thanks stuff today. Thank you. It's it nice. It's really nice uh, actually getting to virtually meet you, Tom. Yeah, and you too. Kyle, re meeting you as well, bud. And yeah, we'll we'll make some cool shit soon, I'm sure.